Well, good morning and welcome to Eagle Church. If you're new with us, I just want to kind of reset the journey we've been on with this series. It actually began a little over a year ago. I had the privilege of being at the 9-11 Museum in New York City. And how many of you have visited 9-11 Museum? Show of hands here. It's an amazing uh, trip for you to take. And during one of the exhibits, I walked into a, a display area and it had pictures posted of hundreds and hundreds of families and names and little excerpts about where their life has gone since. And the title on the wall, it said, Unintended Journeys. And as I stood there, I just really sensed the Lord say, there, that's a series at some point in the life of Eagle we need to do together. And little did I know when we got to the spring of 2016 that we as a body would be encountering some tremendous waves of just kind of loss together as a body. We said goodbye to some folks who've been very close to this body and some of them far too young from our perspective. And it's just been a, a season in local church life together as you do family life together where I've just felt like we've needed to take some time, not only grieve together, but gain God's perspective on what's going on and just to reflect very openly and honestly about how life does take a twisting and turning and sometimes in ways that we never imagined. And so our kind of metaphor through the series has been the trail of twine. I've talked about you could kind of, if you just attached a piece of twine to your life and watched it wind its way through left and right and everything else in between, um, what's a theology of the twine? And that's what we tried to do over this past month, to step back and say that one of the anchors of, we anchor ourselves to what we do know while we journey through all that we don't know. And so we anchor ourselves to the sovereignty of God, that he's in control. And the older we get, the more we realize how much we're really not in control. And we're anchored to the wisdom of God, that he knows what he's doing. Because often, the, actually there's a lot of wisdom that says when you realize you have no idea what you're doing in some of these spaces, and God knows what he's doing. And the goodness of God, he's always got our best in mind. And then we've had a lot of dialogue about the mystery of God, that though he may be silent, he is not absent. Silent, but not absent. We've been talking as a body that God values some things beyond just answering our questions. So when we hit our own unintended journeys, we have a lot of questions and we're begging God to answer. Sometimes he chooses to remain silent. The mystery of God. So sovereignty of God, wisdom of God, goodness of God, and mystery or silence of God have been some of our kind of theology of the twine over this past month. And as we walk through the series, we've taken a story from the blue chairs. Stephen Smith shared a few weeks ago very openly about his own journey with his physical body. The unintended journey he was on, his physical body failing and breaking down much earlier in his life than he would have ever hoped, planned, or imagined. And then last week, Allie King was up here, and Allie opened up about a family journey uh, that's not the kind of family situation she would have ever hoped for, prayed for, dreamed she would have. And she opened up about that. And this morning, I'd like you to put your hands together and welcome Angie Bostick to the stage to share some of her story. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, Miss Angie, how many years at Eagle for you now? Um, that's the math. Fifteen. Fifteen years? Yeah. Fifteen years 15. at Eagle. Season ticket holder back there. So Season this, ticket holder back this here. This is an intended journey just to walk up here. This is, yeah. <laughs> part of our unintended journey was way outside my comfort zone mm -hmm. the whole time, but really grateful for your willingness oh, you're very to welcome. talk and open up about this. Let's get started with a picture. 
maybe give us a little context to the Bostic family of five we see there. And sure, uh, that was taken January first, two thousand and five. We had just spent the night at my brother's house, spontaneous trip to celebrate the new year. I don't even think we packed clothes. Those are the same ones we had on the day before, snapping that picture, and we left soon after, and that kicked off 2005. Um, Backtrack just a touch for that to have happened. You know, God was in my story before I recognized his presence in my story. I grew up in southern Indiana, um, family of six, four children, two parents, and a loving home. founded on great biblical principles, um, integrity and honesty, love, kindness, great family, great, uh, great growing up memories. Um, but what was missing from that foundation was the, the directional point to Jesus as cornerstone. Faith wasn't, um, wasn't attached to all those good qualities as a good citizen would have. It wasn't the Jesus um, infiltrating the, 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 the theme of our, our family. Nonetheless, you know, uh, went on, went to Butler, graduated with a teaching degree. Um, that, along with my aversion to winter, had me in the one ads just looking for a teaching position. They were very scarce at the time, even across the country. So I would look around and look at different one ads, and I saw this one, you know, sunny Florida, be a nanny, do whatever at the same time. I thought, well, I could do that. That would be sunny. You know, my interim job teaching was just a maternity leave position, and she was returning January Uh, early 90s, and I thought, well, I could do that. So explanations, applications, talking to my parents, I am just, I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Florida, I have applied to grad schools. I had also done that same thing out west. The sun hits both of those places very nicely. And so I'd been accepted at ASU at West Palm Beach University. Hopefully they had the program I needed. I don't even think it mattered. Um, I was on my way there. It was a going away party at my work, and it was a picture of Indiana, a picture of Florida. I was leaving in two weeks, and I get this call from the agency speaking to, there's a family moving from New Jersey to Arizona. What do you think? You, you said Arizona was one of your options. It's temporary. It's only a few months. So I thought, well, that's good, because if I don't like it, I can come back. So um, I went downstairs. Mom, I'm not leaving for Florida. I'm going to Arizona in two weeks, and uh, I'm not even sure how that conversation progressed from there. But I did do that. I did that um, and ended up staying there, continuing my master's work. So I was true to my, my, my plan and my thought process. And um, came to a point where, okay, I'm going to be applying for teaching jobs. I need the summer. I need something to, to, to work, you know, to, something to do to make some money. So I went to the one ads again, and I saw several. I circled, circled, circled all these opportunities for teachers in the summer, and I think I called on a few, but only one called me back. And when they did, they said, well, could you come in for an interview? And I said, oh, sure. I'm like, okay, this is a job. And I said at the end, could you please remind me what I'm, uh, I've applied for? <laughs> and they said, oh, it's an art directorship at a summer day camp. And I said, okay, great. So I did go in to the interview, and I met this gentleman named Scott Bostick. He was directing that summer camp. And we went back and forth. He saw that I was from Indiana. Immediately went to Bobby Knight and IU Hoosiers. He's a Kansas Jayhawk fan. It went back and forth. And I grew up in the southern turf, so IU was how I was led to believe was the right way. Um, <laughs> um, but I had the Butler Bulldog thing in me, so I was like, whatever, back and forth. And I, you know, I left there saying, well, they would be foolish not to hire me because I'm well overqualified. And, but it looks like it could be fun. And I did get that job and got to know Scott through that job. And toward the end of the summer, he had gotten a teaching job back where he wanted to in a Christian school. I had gotten a job 
and kind of uh, started hanging out. You know, we were both dating different people beforehand, but once uh, our relationship started growing further than that, he would say, you should come to church with me. And my references to that part honestly were kids in my neighborhood who would say they were at my house after picking up their program from their respective church to fool their parents into saying they were at church, but not going to church. They knew I wasn't at church, so that was a believable story. It was just like, well, that can't be that fun there. Um, my nanny position in one of those, the two that I had taken, one was a Jewish family. I remember they were very upward mobile people. They had a nanny for the daytime, the evening time, and the weekends. There was three of us. And I remember they were leaving in this fashionable attire, fur coat, all the bling, and she said, oh, could you, here's our menorah, could you pray with Alex and Ezra on the first, you know, this is the first or second day, could you pray with them? I said, what is Hanukkah? I don't really know what that is. Um, and they're like, here's a coffee table book, this is a Jewish tradition, here, could you read through that? And I said, well, that's interesting, you know, they're, they're claiming this, and they want their kids, but they're not participating, so there was a little faith, I'm like, that's a glimpse of something, I'm not sure what that is. One of those nannies in that position was a Grand Canyon University student, which is a Christian college, and she was there, and I remember Margie, my boss, said, oh, she's, you know, those Christians, they are all or nothing, you know, kind of, you know, watch her, watch her. I said, oh, what's that mean, all or nothing? And I remember, her name is Tammy, and she invited me over to dorm pizza or whatever. Oh, you need to come, you need to come. And she was very emphatic about coming. I was like, okay, well, I will, that's, that's pizza. Um, so I went, I remember middle of the couch, Tammy's here, another one of her friends is here. There's two, you know, sitting around in the circle. <laughs> What are, you, what, are your, what are you doing with Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And it was very uncomfortable, very like, what? I heard he was Jewish. <laughs> That's what I said. Um, and so they're, 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 I don't know what they said from there other than I had this radar going, you know what, you need to go home. You just need to get out of here. This is really strange. So my faith references, although God was very present in determining my steps, I mean, two weeks before, no, you're going to go here. I have this plan for you. It's going to look like that on January 1st, 2005. And those steps brought me to not only then meeting Scott, but when Scott asked me to um, attend church with him, and he had done that to the other camp workers that summer. It was just, his, just inviting everyone and anyone, and they played basketball there. They did all this stuff and didn't really take him up on it. But then I said, okay, I will, I will. And he said, well, don't be late. Don't be late. The worship is the best thing. The best time, do not be late. And I said, and he's, he was never late. His thing was, there's no penalty for being early. And he lived that even on his way to heaven. It was early. Um, so I said, okay, I'm not even sure what worship is. I thought, I guessed it was singing, wasn't sure. But, you know, I was not late. I got there and, you know what, kept going Sunday after Sunday. And then um, ultimately became um, having these Wednesday night meetings with the pastor. And one Wednesday, she prayed with me, accepted the Lord as my Savior. Uh, we talked a little further after that. It was, um, it was not this, ah, oh, moment, but it was, you know, I, I felt a significant difference, but Savior, the Lord of my life, I probably really misunderstood that point. But we walked out of the parking lot together. It was inner city Phoenix. That was wise. We walk out, we part, and I go toward my apartment half hour north. Scott's there when I get there, and he is, you know, kind of beside himself, and he's a little teary-eyed. I'm like, what's, going, what's, what's happened? What has happened? And he said, well, you would tell me about your meeting with Gail? I said, well, we just met, and, um, did, you know, it was, it was fine. It was, you know, that was all I was saying. And he's like, well, she called me. She told me. And she goes, what did she tell you? 
She said, you, you prayed with her. I said, we've been praying every Wednesday. <laughs> he said, no. And I said, yes, I, I have accepted Jesus into my life. So that became permission for him, and wisely so, to continue our relationship. Because he had told me, you know, you need to do something about Jesus ultimately too in a nicer way than that. Um, so anyway, our, our relationship furthered. We obviously ended up getting married not long after that, both educators, and started our family. We bought a house. Um, Hannah and Isabel were born in Arizona. And he had this um, affection for the Midwest. You know, our trips back in Julys and Decembers for holidays. He said, this is, you know, I could see myself living here. And I said, oh, you don't want to. It's winter. There's winter. You do not know about winter. He said, oh, but we, you know what? We could get used to that. We could do that. And, um, and, you know, the Lord at that time, I'm a praying person now, and I am, you know, seeking his will for all of us in the family. And, and he was doing the same tug on me. You know, oh, you have kids. Your family is there. Your family is there. Your, your people are there, too. Your friends are there. You should, um, you should, you should keep, keep trusting me. So in the meantime, Scott and I both got our master's, and he has always had always wanted to be an administrator of a school, Christian school in particular. And so he would, you know, put out feelers, and he found himself interviewing at Traders Point Christian Academy. Their need was a middle school junior high principal. That was his perfect fit. Um, he kind of got stuck a little bit in his behavior in that zone of time, so he really, really um, connected with those kids. And he got the job. It's just true. Uh, he got the what job. What year are we at now? Where are we at? In I'm year? sorry. That's Am right. I going to take it no, long? I'm sorry. You're doing good. Um, what year are we at? We're at right before we came to Eagle. 2000. 2000. 2000. Yeah, 2000. So we make our journey here. We, he gets the job and we come. And uh, we come. Amelia is born. He's loving his job. Things are just wonderful. It's that mountaintop. It's, this is the way life should be. We have another slide, I think, to represent that. This is Scott no, in yeah. full on, right, dad he, mode. He's, great yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. He was an awesome father. He loved it. Didn't want to. Didn't want to wait to start that whole um, journey as a as a father. And he's with Hannah. Hannah's our oldest. She's the one in the bottom right. Uh, she is now at Taylor. Isabel is on the monkey bars, and Amelia is singing with Scott. Jesus loves me. This I know when he's when he got him strong. So they're flexing a little there. And then the bottom corner is just you know God taking the moment. I'm sure he spoke of the promises God has. has has given us the sign of his promises in the sky after a rainstorm. Uh, saw the rainbow. They're looking kind of at the cul-de-sac kids playing in the puddles, I think, too. But I remember distinctly taking that because I'm like, oh, I should, I should take it again because the girls weren't looking at the, in the shot. I'm like, okay, give it up. There'll be many more. There'll be plenty more opportunities. Um, so that's, that's a, a glimpse of how great a dad he, he was. But um, so Amelia's born. We have a family of five. That, is, that was January 1st, You were married in what year? We're married in 94. 94. So we had been, it was 10 and a half years about okay. then. So now let's talk about January 29th, uh, 2005. Sure. Um, vivid memories actually of the whole week before, but that particular day woke up like no different Saturday prior. Um, I do remember Scott coming home the night before. He had worked, um, he had an open house at school, but the rest of the days he was either doing a college game or a, a high school game. And he came home Friday night from the game just excited. He's like, that's the best game ever. One of the guys didn't show up, so not a three-man team. It was a two-man team, and we had such fun. This, and he was play-by-play. I heard the game. So um, 
you know, this play happened, this play happened, this play happened, and this, and I, you know, swallowed the whistle on this one, and he, he just loved Raphine, and that was a whole different ministry for him as well. Woke up, and he was on his way, he was to prepare for his way to go to Huntington. He had a college game, tip off, I think, around one or two, I'm not sure. Um, but Marcy Mays, a good uh, spiritual mentor of mine, Dave Mays, equally so, and, and loving friends of ours. Marcy had called and said, hey, why don't I take your kids? I said, well, Hannah's a Girl Scout thing. She's getting a patch, pizza patch, for learning how to make a pizza or something. And, but the other two, sure. And uh, so Scott and I had extra time, extra time that morning. And I remember, I remember what he wore. And I remember all these things that I wouldn't have typically could tell you what he wore. But I, I knew that day. Um, he took the girls over to Marcy's. I remember she speaks of the hugs goodbye, you know, to just those two and came back and it was starting to snow and it was you know, that, that white fluffy, but heavy, heavy, heavy snow, that winter thing. Um, and we just got to talking and he was meeting his partner. Then they were going to head up north to Huntington. I said, and we both agreed, you know, it, it's kind of getting messy out there. Why don't you leave early, you know, allow yourself extra time, be extra careful, to, to get to the game, and he's like, you know, wise idea. I remember exactly how the goodbye went. I remember, I remember the side of the car he walked on, how he put his ref stuff. I, I see that all, and that's the last alive picture I have of Scott. He um, he traveled onward to the game. The girls had come home. Two of the three, I think, Hannah at one time had, and then I get a call. I get a call from his assigner of games, and. Um, the head guy. Now, before you get this call, talk about what you were doing in the in-between time, just yourself before the girls came, because you had spent oh. some time, right? Just at the table, your typical routine would be in the Bible, praying over various things. and Right. Um, Eric is always challenged. And both Carrie Bowman at the time would say, pick a, pick a theme for your year and, you know, kind of concentrate on that. So January 29th, I know we're into the, the year, and I've opened my stuff. Scott's already left, so I'm going to have some extra time in the Word, and I've got my prayer sheets down, and I have a page for each of my, my, my four people, my people. Scott, um, you know, I want to pray for this this year and this this year, and traveling grace is always part of that and all these things. And I just had some extra thoughtful time in the Word. I mentioned to you the other day, um, just a month before, I had read in Psalm 63, your love is better than life. And it was part of that time that morning, but I didn't think, I'm like, I don't know. I'm question mark. I don't agree with that necessarily. You know, when your love is better than life, your love is life. And, you know, just wrestling that with my in my head. But that morning did um, allow when, you know, he departed early for me to, to just further immerse myself in the word. Um, I had become a habit since my journey of not even knowing him to very much knowing him and part of my, my life. So that was and part of And then the phone rings. Phone rings, the phone, right? Yeah, Mr. Venderly calls, and he's saying, hey, where's Scott? Is he on his way? What's up? And I said, he left early. What, what are you talking about? He's like, well, no, I got a call, and, um, and he and his partner he's driving up with, um, they haven't shown. They haven't shown up yet. I said, well, he left at this time. He should have been there by, by now. And um, that just gives you this adrenaline, adrenaline flow through you that's that's nothing nothing good about it so I said okay and I remember him saying he goes well hopefully he's just in a ditch or something or hopefully he's just in a ditch I'm like well no that's not good um and I was thinking now I'm thinking if only he were and and alive but um it was hours later um the girls I, I gave them valentines to start doing I was pacing I ate Hannah's leftover pizza from her field trip because I thought, I don't want to eat. I better eat. I just have to eat. I don't know why I'm going to eat. And it was probably the last meal I had 
significant for a while after that. And then the Krumbachers, you know, faithful eagle attenders for a long time until their move. And they, Kathy had come by and said, why don't I get the kids for you? And I had called several people. I said, I just, I don't know if this is necessary. Would you please pray? Would you please, would you just please pray? I haven't heard from Scott. He's not at the game yet. That's just odd. And, you know, the weather is looking like it does. Could you, you know, would you pray? And of course, I'm confident, you know, that we're lifting up the moment right then. And so she had taken the kids. She woke up Amelia from nap and she took and zoomed the kids out. So I'm pacing around um, and calling some people and just doing a lot more pacing. And, uh, and this is when I get, I get flashes of memory. I don't have a continual line of memory. But I, I, at some point, there was a doorbell that rang. And Marcy, I don't know where you're sitting right now. I don't know when you came, but I do remember you there not long after. Um, but the doorbell wasn't you. The doorbell, as I was looking out the window, where I would look typically for Scott's car to pull up for dinner, was a patrol car. And I said, oh, my gosh, you know. And you just know. You just know. It's like the movies. You just know. But then it was a, it was a pregnant pause of, but I'm not going to open it. If I don't open the door, it's not true. If I don't open the door, it's not true. But they keep ringing. So I did open the door, and the two gentlemen came in and uh, walked into the front room. I don't believe they ever actually told me. I'm not sure even what they said. I just knew. I think they did a confirming of, um, like there's been an accident type of thing. Um, and your husband did not make it, I'm sure was spoken. And that's what I remember, the carpet. I just remember falling and being crushed. It, it's just a plant. It's just a plant on the carpet. And where are the girls at this moment? Oh, they were at the Krumbachers. They were not home. So a provision, 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 provision. Marcy was there with you? Marcy came, was Marcy there came. eventually. I don't know if she was there yeah. at that moment. I, d I don't think so. She could maybe answer that for me later <laughs> to remind me. So, um, but she was there soon after. My next memory is she's there. And um, at some point, the girls come back to the house, and you're going through the process of. I need to talk with well, them. Yeah. I mean, Hannah's, I remember Hannah's, and still states to this day, there's so many cars around. You know, I saw Aunt Nita's van. I thought, this is going to be, you know, she was ready for a party with her cousins. So she, you know, even as they came in and they're seeing these faces, some are, you know, strangers to them. Some are just family to them. And I'm, you know, I'm sure I've looked exactly like I had, what I had been doing. I was crying and I looked the part. And so I, I, I remember that. I remember that. Um, I had called my parents, so they had arrived. A lot of people there, just a lot of people. It was chaos. It was noise. It was that, the pause and that, the camera, when it spins around, you know, in the movies, and it's just that spinning dizziness, it's vertigo. It's, it's that. It is that in that moment. Um, but I did have the peace of mind God granted me to think, okay, I got to tell. I have to tell. Ages of the girls now are eight, five, and two. Eight, five, right? and two, yeah. At this point. So eight, five, and two, she's thinking through the, I need to have a conversation that you never wanted to have. And yeah. Proverbs 3, 5 and mm -hmm. 6 came to your mind, right? Yeah. So you want to talk about it, the, it why that verse and just mm -hmm. kind of walk folks through how you handled that moment? Yeah. <laughs> Back when I first came to faith, actually, the very first scripture I memorized happened to be Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. And the bleachers watching Scott Ref. So I knew that, but the girls knew that. The girls knew that one. Um, I'm a teacher, so they don't have a lot of choice with some things, especially when they were really young. So they knew, knew that. So I said, okay, Marcy, um, I, I remember she was outside my bedroom door. If, if you hear, listen to me. If, I'm, if I, I go astray, please 
correct me, please help me. But I took them up to my, our bedroom where they you know, gather on a typical weekend morning anyway, with no school, just jump on us. I said, let's go into our bedroom. Come on, climb up, climb up. And I said that verse. I didn't tell them what happened first. I, we just walked through the verse, you know, um, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do we do that? We do that in our family. We do that. That's part of us. Trust. We believe. Believe, another word for trust. Um, lean not on our own understanding. We do not, you know, we don't understand a lot of things. Right, girls? Right. Um, went into that a little bit. Um, and always acknowledge him. Okay, God's in everything, right? God's in everything. Uh, God loves daddy. God loves me. God loves you. Yes, yes. Um, always acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. He will make our path straight. So we walked through that. And then I told them. I told them, keeping that a little bit more sacred right now, but I told them, and, uh, and there was an eight, five, two-year-old hearing that. Eight, um, cry, crying, but he's too funny, you know, words like that. He's too funny. I'm like, he is funny. You're right. Daddy's, well, daddy's funny, um, but no. Um, and then, you know, it, I think one of them said, um, but you told him to be careful. You tell him to be careful all the time. I said, I did. I'm, I'm confident he was, and uh, there's a... <laughs> interesting point when he did walk out into the car to leave that morning I did not say be careful I said be safe and I it struck me I was like that's not my words (laughs) I always say be careful I said be safe and um and I told him that I said well actually I told daddy to be safe today and he's the safest he'll ever be he's in the arms and the presence of the Lord and I remember them saying that Hannah may remember me saying that but five and a two you know you are constantly reminding them of some of these things as the path continued on from that day. I remember Isabel saying, oh, he's gonna need new sunglasses. It's so bright there. And I said, you're right. And he was a Oakley connoisseur. He had some nice shades and he's like, he's gonna need new sunglasses. You are absolutely right. And Amelia, and Hannah will say this. Hannah goes, I just remember Amelia crawling around and you thought she was gonna fall off. I'm like, I'm sure I was doing that because she was too and not understanding, but she was seeing us crying. So, um, so that's how I... I told them, and it was a continual telling, because then it's a, it's a, how do you say, see you later, Daddy? You know, what are you going to do with that? And from that moment, um, oh, and even Hannah, Hannah's verse of the week that, that time, she went to Traders Point, Christian Academy, they had a verse a week, and even from December to this end of January moment, they were in the garden, all their verses was the end of Luke, it was Luke 22, 42, I believe, and it was, um, Lord, take this cup from me, not your will, but, my, or not my will, but not your will, but my, my will. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Garden of Gethsemane <laughs> prayer. Yeah, right. it was a garden prayer. And I remember that. And I said, oh, I do not want this cup. And Hannah and I would have that dialogue. I don't want this cup. I don't want this cup. But it's not our will. It's, it's, it's God's will be done. Um, so Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 was there. The goodbye had to be planned. And that was a compulsive, okay, you have come. You had come that evening, by the way. In Psalm 34, 18, you know, you are crushed and broken and whatever that verse is. Help me. You're broken and... Yeah, you, the Lord saves those who are crushed in spirit, close to the broken hearted, and we mm-hmm. prayed about that. And and the girls did too. So I see them being, as a child, child, little people being, you know, crushed in the way that I was just felt so, so crushed. So my compulsion was to celebrate him well um, in a three-day series of, you know, we're going to kiss daddy goodbye, we're going to let people hug us and tell daddy goodbye, and then we're going to have a party. And it was a three-day um, it was ultimately a great celebration of his life. and Many of people here were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things Scott did in this body, Scott served as an elder for a number of years here. He impacted a lot of your lives uh, very directly who were around that. I remember as a board, um, 
for the meetings that followed. And those of you who served on the board during that time, you remember we sat at an empty seat and a Bible and just kind of had some moments together in the months that followed, remembering Scott would be around this table. He was a great elder, uh, just like Angie represents, great husband, great father, great elder, great leader at the school. I mean, he was just one of those guys that people enjoyed being around, radiated the life of Christ Mm -hmm. in all settings. And um, so Angie, I don't know, you probably didn't go to bed on the 29th or if you, I'm sure you didn't go to sleep. I can't, Mm -hmm. the next, at some point you woke up on a morning, the 30th or the 31st, and you were looking at a new reality that you've described as literally you couldn't breathe at times. Yeah. Oh, and Can you I, talk about that a little bit? Like you just um, said, literally couldn't get yeah, the next it's, breath um, out. And many who have probably had something sudden, sudden loss or some just truly unintended journey just hits you upside uh, your whole countenance. Um, it just, it steals your breath. It, it just it pulls it right out. And you feel this compression in the middle of your chest. That is, is this, um, Discomfort. It's not pain. It's a. It's pain, and it's. I guess it's pain, but it, it's. You, you. You're still breathing, but you're. You actually really think about breathing, and, and I would sigh and I would groan. It's very Jobish in three. I think Job says, you know, my groans pour out like water. My um, sighing is like food. I mean, that's that's all I was doing, and but it was also talking to myself, saying, okay, next. What's next? What's next? What am I going to do? What's next? What's next? And it was literally the next thing, but um, but that feeling of suffocation. It lingers. It doesn't go away. How about Luke? Can you talk about Luke seven twenty three in the midst of this? Because this became a really significant right verse mm-hmm. for you in the midst of this. It can did. you talk about that? And it's it's helpful for me to revisit it often because I get askew. I know the truth and I know what I know, but I behave elsewise. I'm not not. So this so is Jesus quality. saying these words, right? So for the context, yeah. right? It's blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me, and it's actually his answer to John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist, you know, he's done this great, you know, he's prepared the way, but now he's in a prison. He's been arrested. He doesn't know what's going on. And he's asking his disciples, go to Jesus, ask him what, what is up. Is he the one that we're waiting on? Is he the Messiah? And so he does. And, and they, they, those three or how many they would be uh, go. And Jesus says this, um, he says, well, tell him the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the, the deaf are hearing. Tell him all these things I'm doing. The gospel is being proclaimed, key, but blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. And it's, um, to me, that just shouts expectations. You know, your, my, your expectations of me, Christ is saying, they're not going to match up. You are human. Your, um, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Um, trust in me. Don't trust in my ways right now. You, you're not going to get that. If, you, if, you, if you're going to trust him and trust in my sovereignty mixed with my loving kindness together, my expectations are something that... Um, you can endure and live through. So, you know, John the Baptist, you know, he, it didn't end well for him. It did not end well for them. And I, I can't help but thinking even the lines of people in line that were the lame being healed, the blind seeing, they're in line. And then, you know, it shuts down for the night, but Jesus moves on the next day. But there's all those next in lines. It's all those, well, what about Scott Bostic? Why didn't, why didn't you stop that? You know, ultimately he went off the road and it was a head-on collision and he died. Why didn't you stop? Or why didn't I? And I did go there. You know, why? Oh, I made him leave early. I stole my. I stole time with him. I could have not had him leave early and had more time with him. Or I, or I, I, I. Those are just silly thoughts, but they do run through your head. Um, but then ultimately, it is a. It's a very deep sigh, an acceptance of 
you know, blessed is he who does not fall away on, on account of me. I know, and I know that I know who God is. His son is my savior, my Lord. I know that. So now, every day thus, I, I trust in it and I operate accordingly. Great mistakes and failures in the midst of that. But, but I know where to rede- redirect my focus. And it's, um, and that's how you learn to breathe again. It's how, um, you, just, you learn to breathe again. And, and, you know, Scott was my spouse and, you know, we became one under God's covenant of marriage. And so when he was taken, you know, new address for him, yay, I'm thankful. I mean, I, I, I didn't lose my husband. I know exactly where he is. It's just this great interruption. Um, but knowing that, you know, he, my spouse, my best friend, um, was not gonna be here to help me grieve this because it was him who traveled on. Um, it's, it's a limping, it's a constant limping. You know, how do I walk like that? Um, how do I be this widow? You know, they, they, there's a, a flamingo association with a widow, you know, the one leg. How do I do this? This is like a hop step. That is not graceful and that is not fun. And I don't want it. You know, I don't want this cup still. But it always comes back to, for me, it was Luke 7, 23 in that capacity of, bless, you know, John the Baptist, look at the guy. I mean, Jesus didn't save him ultimately there through that awful t- type of journey he was on. So, And you found something in Scott's Bible that became very significant, right? This was in Scott's yeah. Bible, the yellow piece of paper, yeah. the little, I think it, we have a picture of it. Um, this is one of Scott's, his last Bible, and he had a great habit of waking up no matter what season it was, and basketball season was rough on him um, in terms of his nights and such. He would get up at 4.30, and that's how he started his day. And even me saying, why don't you just sleep a little longer? You know, he's, the man could drink gallons of coffee and sleep when his head hit the pillow. He just was that busy and, and going all the time. And, um, but I did scan through here, and I rubber banded it so I don't lose all the other stuff that's in here because there's, there's great uh, nuggets of truth in his own font and handwriting that remind me, don't fake it, but faith it. I'm like, that's right. Okay, I need to do that today, you know. But this was the one that... Um, the girls and I really kind of embrace. And it's, we put this on your notes, by the way, so you don't have to jot it down, but Angie, maybe just read it, read it for mm-hmm. him. And I watched Scott grieve many different things in our lives, but that, when I was asking myself, how am I gonna grieve without him? And I think these two points really kind of kind of stressed to me, this is how you're gonna do it. Number one, your life is too short to feel sorry for yourself. Okay, this is not, death is universal. We're all gonna have such journeys that are painful. Uh, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't just be, don't be a victim, you know, survive it. And how are you gonna survive it? How about reaching for a thrive inside that? What will that look like? And then number two is my favorite. You know, life is too short not to take Jesus at his word. And so immersion in the word became, I, I think it helped me, like you say often, you know, before you get to the furnace door, you know, have some scaffolding of truth built up in you so you can fall on it. You can remember it when you're squeezed tight. So that helped us, but then, you know, you just dive in and you just, you just immerse yourself in it. Um, I had scriptures laminated in my pockets. I had it all over the house. Um, and we worked on Psalm 23 immediately. We started looking, what's that look like? We're through, we're going to walk through this valley. We're going to do, you know, the rod and the staff. They're not, they're not necessarily comfortable tools. What, how are we going to do that and talk together like that? But that's what we um, often reference. It's, it's on a, in a board on our stairway as well. You said before a statement that I, I'd like you to talk to the group a little about is you said grief is not tame. Remember that statement? Right. Grief is, can you just talk a little about just your 12 years now, mm-hmm. almost 12 years almost, yeah. into the journey. Yeah. Just talk about what you've learned about the ebb and flows of mm-hmm. the grief. 
Grief is definitely not tame. It's like taking the twine and just tangling it all up. And then, they're, they're, but you have to get through it. So to get through it, you know how hard it is to get a knot out. You know, knots make rope weaker. You don't want them to stay. So you're, you're, you're trying to get it out. But it's a roller coaster effect. You've heard that maybe commonly. You know, you're fine, and then it hits you out of the blue. You know, I am 11 and a half years outside of that day in January. Um, but it can still hit me just as hard. You know, the girls are doing some amazing things, and I'm watching them, and I can't share that with with their dad, that's, that's not fun. That's not fun. So um, immediately it's crazy. Um, Isaiah 43 comes to mind. You know, I'm with you when the waters are rushing over you. You know, you will not drown. Or I'm, I'm paraphrasing again. Don't quote me on any of the scripture. Um, you know, you don't be burned. The rivers will run over you. You won't be. But I felt like I was. It felt like I was being covered up in that. And that's that roller coaster effect of um, it is not tame. There's ugly tentacles to it. This is not just my grief. You know, I have four grief journeys in my household and all different ages and stages. And it loops around and it goes through, uh, you know, the, the single digits. But then it hits the adolescence. That is a tricky time. And I am not their dad. I cannot substitute for their dad. I can trust God to fill in those gaps, but I am not a substitute for them. So what's, what's that look like? How do, I, um, how do I help them through their journeys as well? Because it's, it's not tame for me, and I only know me. My dad is actually still, thankfully, living on this earth. I don't know how they feel. Um, so being respectful of my journey of craziness and then their journey, that just, if that, it is that roller coaster, that tangle, that brings so much emotion that's intense. It's just very intense. Talk about when you've run into the, Lord, why this? Why me? Why Scott? Mm -hmm. Why is this our portion and cup? When you look back and you see, obviously, what a great dad he would be in the moment you just experienced, mm -hmm. you know, with your, yeah. and, and you have those. What, what do you do with that, the journey of the wise? Yeah, it's, um, it's a posture of your eyes. You need to look up, first of all, because it's easy to wallow and pity it and, and be sad. And, and I'm all those things, too. I'm all sad when those, you know, Hannah gives a speech at graduation, and I, the parent that hears it, but Scott doesn't. I'm going to hope that that works out, um, that he got a glimpse. I don't know any of that. I only know about heaven what I know and what God tells me. But um, when I do think of he was such a man fueled by Jesus, all his passions were fueled by Jesus. He was doing such great kingdom work. Why him? And you have to immediately go, well, why not him? You know, blessed is he who does not fall away on account of me. He was that next line. He was doing great things, but, and this is what Scott would say makes it all worth it. Yeah, I wish I could see all that. I wish I was still there with you. Or I wish I could, you know, parent these girls further on earth. I know of many, a handful, many of them are my family members, my dad included, and that my brother, who have come to faith as a result of them seeing this, you know, a uh, pretty expansive response to Scott's death that was um, unexplainable aside from Christ being inside it all, and especially inside my husband. It wasn't explainable outside of that. So I would hear the comments even from my dad, well, this, there might be something to this. You know, those type of comments that then led to questions, led to the truth being instilled, led to faith stories, um, which are amazing. And so... I have to go there because that's where it makes it worth it. And the ways you've seen God show up in the journey as we've talked about, could you say a couple things just about the way you've seen his character displayed to you through his body? Because that's been mm -hmm. a real yeah. ministry and continues to be to this day, I believe. So mm -hmm. but just the way mm -hmm. he's shown up 
through his people. Exactly. Erica would come every week or so and, and challenge me with a question or just, you know, watch me cry or um, wrestle with something with me. But one of his questions early on was, well, I went, I'm coming back and I want you to tell me where do you see his faithfulness? Where do you see God's faithfulness? And I was like, oh, that's Lamentations 3. Okay, so great is thy faithfulness. His mercies are new and I'm not consumed. Okay, that's all good stuff. Okay, I'm going to hold on to that. But it was a deeper question. It was, where do you see it? I want, I want a list. I want some, something for it. And automatically, without fail, it, it's so obvious. It's his people. It was you guys in the community here at Eagle. It was the community at Traders Point at the time. It was a whole community in Arizona. We had only been back, and Scott had only lived here for five years. So there was a great mass of people in Arizona missing him and um, praying for us. There was the ref ministry he had, the ref people, you know, doing that. They have, to this day, still a, a basketball tournament in late December that honors Scott and his, his mission and the passions of Jesus very um, out loud and boldly. Um, so many of you guys have helped in uh, the hardest of ways, I think, prayer. I mean, it, it's awkward and unsettling to come up to a person going through a grief and say the right thing. Don't worry about it. Just say anything and, or don't say anything. I mean, just be with them. Just, just be with them. Um, but there's computer help, there's lawn help. I can't name it all because it's so immensely, it's financial help. It's yeah, I remember like several of you came by and been mowing your grass. I heard recently the Griggs are mm -hmm. still going over and mowing the grass. Yes, they are. The Wamplers are still yes. coming by and helping yes, computer stuff. Are. I mean, here mm -hmm. we are 11 plus years later. I thought that's just such a great reminder of the way the Bostics have immersed themselves in community. And when you hit an experience that's an unintended journey, the gift that that community is mm -hmm. at a time like this, I mean, it's unbelievably difficult to journey in the midst of all this with community and with Jesus. Can't even fathom what it would be like without. I cannot. Know. I cannot. Not without faith, generally. Not about, Not without the faith community who does support you. I mean, you're carried. I mean, you feel the presence of God carrying you through that those first several days, and he lays you back down, but that's life. You know, I remember the first trip to Walmart and all these people and it's dark and it's, they're just moving around. I mean, life is going on and there's things to be done and practical things and emotional things. And the body was really there and massages. Um, I remember just that early on, I'm like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of, um, luxurious. <laughs> but it was such a gift to me to have, you know, Cindy come in and, and do that. Um, new friendships were built toward in, in the midst of that. Cause I didn't know all the people coming and helping in, in, in very specific ways, and that's a, a very big blessing too. The community is huge. So, last question, okay? Mm -hmm. Wow, we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing great. Um, I think you have so much to offer me, us, all of us, about your perspective on time mm -hmm. and eternity and Tozer's line that I think yeah. has meant a lot yeah. to you through. It says, we do well to think of the long tomorrow. We talked mm -hmm. a lot about that. Could you just maybe say a couple words about just your perspective on, on time and eternity and mm -hmm. the long tomorrow? We are specks. We are very big specks. For a long time, we actually had a piece of twine. No, this was not even planned. A twine along the, the expanse of our great room. And it was a dot, actually the dots candy. It was Scott's favorite movie candy. Um, an acronym to us actually from his passing came to be from it was depend on the savior dots. So we have them around and we give them to people and such. But I hung up this dot on a piece of twine and speaking to the girls and reminding myself this is eternity. And this little dot um, is, yeah, don't eat it. Gross. It's red. It's up here. Don't eat it, girls. But this represents us. We are just specks. This is how long, you know, eternity will be. Daddy's there. He's waiting on us. We're, part of our hearts are there. That's where we're going. So keeping that in front of us, 
always. Um, teach us to number our days aright so that we gain a heart of wisdom. Let's do all the days we have here. We don't know, and often our prayers were, Jesus, tell daddy this, whatever they wanted to tell him for the day. Um, tell him we'll, we'll see him when you say it's time. You know, it wasn't, it's not ours to determine. It is God's to determine when we journey onward and change our address up to heaven. Um, so those are like the huge things, reminders that we have in our own home, you know, differently now as the girls have aged. But, but even though I know what I know, what I know, and even, you know, we glean what we know about heaven and we're looking forward to it, you know, we're not anxious to get there. Um, well, we are, but we're not, you know. We're pretty, um, we're pretty happy here. We'll be gloriously happy there and reunited there. It's this, uh, it's this tug at what we know here and our, our infinite, or our finite minds to in his infinite ways. So it's keeping it uh, in front of us always. You know, we got a great um, prize there, not just Jesus, but we have Scott there too. So um, time is short, um, but eternity is long and Jesus is on his way. Remember that he's on his way. You know, perhaps it's today, perhaps it's tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. But in not knowing, remember what you do know about the foundation of who he is. And if you don't know him, please investigate him. Please, um, that would even make Scott's journey more, um, more worth it to me, I guess you could say. Because after all this is said and done today, would I choose to have Scott Bostic back here? I, I, I would. I'm not going to be, I wish I could be like, oh, you know what, all I've learned and all I've gleaned. No, I've learned so much. I would not want this to change. I really don't. I'm not there yet. Maybe that's where I that's where I can and can grow some more roots in my faith. But um, I miss the man. I love the man, and I'm limping on earth because he's not here. But I need my days to make heaven more crowded. I need to be a testimony for for my Lord and for um, for others to come to know Him. So here's a picture, a uh, more current one. <laughs> They are not happy about this. <laughs> this was taken just a little less than two years ago. And, you know, there's a lot of Isabel and Amelia. They look so much different now. Yeah. So Hannah there, uh, uh, your, their oldest, uh, this, past, mm-hmm. this past summer, I go into a staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have some interns every summer. And Rob and Ian and others kind of, you know, find some other young folks who are considering and praying about future ministry. And in walks Hannah Bostick into our staff meeting and sat there at the table. I just told the staff, I need a moment here. I just need a moment to kind of process. And I think it's such a great statement. It's It's a great commentary on what a wonderful mother that Angie is, how she's carried the torch so well for 11 plus years, she would say, hey, there's lots of gaps and she's trusting God for the gap and feels yeah. the mom incompetence, she says yeah. over and over again. But she's teaching her kids this line that I think is so powerful that we're gonna kind of end with and then just kind of transition to a time of allowing us to, to process and, and have some moments together. But she's talking to her girls about how Jesus is your best companion in life and in loss. And I want you to know, Angie, I had a front row seat to this by watching your oldest uh, this summer pour it out, lay it on the line week after week, and impact a whole bunch of students and families. And what a joy it was to watch that. And I'm sure we'll continue to see out of your two younger ones that continue to grow. So on behalf of the whole congregation, thank you for your willingness to open up your unintended journey. Welcome. Welcome.
Worship team, worship team, why don't you come back up? I'm just going to pray here and um, just going to kind of put together a, a song that um, maybe is a bit of kind of lyrics in the Bostic household in the midst of the pain and the journey, uh, the heart of worship that flows in the midst of the pain and the team's just kind of crafted this moment just to help us all process what we heard and the journey. Angie wants you to know we're family. We're here. We're with you for the long haul. Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, for Angie's willingness to open this up. And we pray by your spirit, you would use it for whatever purposes you intend. Thank you for the legacy that Scott has left in this body and that the Bostic family continues to leave. Thank you that death doesn't get the final word. Thank you that resurrection life does. Help us with the groaning in the in-between. In Jesus' name.